Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Network Classics right here on Primetime with Sean Mooney. As uh, we continue to offer more great content every week. Uh, also, you know, uh, we've got our original episodes coming up on Wednesday. We've got a great one this week. Uh, Guy Evans from Nitro is going to uh, join us, and uh, you do not want to miss that. Uh, some great behind the scenes on uh, putting that book together and the reaction it has had over the years since. And uh, also, you know, we have the Vault episodes that uh, are released every Saturday. We had some great ones uh, as of late. But right now, we're going to focus on our Network Classic, and this week it is from Monday Night Raw, March 15th, 1993, and it's... Uh, it's an interesting episode. We will get to it in just a second. Meantime, there is a, a lot going on, even before we start talking about uh, what we're dealing with still, with the stay-at-home orders and uh, folks uh, getting a little stir-crazy. Uh, I am uh, among them, and I get to go out every day. I'm still working every day, but uh, there are a lot of limitations that we've had to deal with. But it's been a really weird week as uh, far as what's happening with the WWE. I'm sure that uh, you have heard that they had it was big, basically a bloody Wednesday uh, last week where they uh, laid off a number of uh, superstars with the company. But not only that, behind the scenes, a lot of folks got um, furloughed, as they call it. But um, from what I hear, a lot of them will not be coming back in a uh, effort here to save a lot of money for the company. You know, the XFL has folded up and uh, now that's uh, going to uh, into bankruptcy. But I guess it's all not surprising, considering what's going on. And you're seeing a lot of companies uh, having to lay people off. And it's it's just awful. Uh, besides what this, this uh, deadly virus is doing to our country and around the world. But looking with the WWE and, uh, boy, some of, the, some of the names, it's pretty shocking. Uh, some of the people that they, they let go, among them Drake Maverick. Uh, Zach Ryder, Kurt Hawkins, Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows, Heath Slater, Eric Young, uh, Rowan, Sarah Logan, No Way Jose, uh, Mike Chioda, who's got, he's been with them forever uh, among the referees, and uh, Mike Kanellis, uh, Maria Kanellis, EC3, Aiden English, Leo Rush, Primo. Uh, just, to, you know, that's just a few of the people, because I mentioned a lot of people behind the scenes, and, and you know, people have been with the company for decades. So that is just devastating. And then also, uh, for me personally, too, and I know many, many other fans in the, um, the world of professional wrestling, not just of the WWE, the loss of Howard Finkel, who passed away um, this, uh, the, you know, this, this past week. Uh, just awful. And, and I have talked about Howard before. And I, really, I worked with him initially when I got to the WWF, a lot of people don't know, you know, Howard played a major role behind the scenes. He was always doing other jobs. It wasn't just him being a, you know, the voice of the WWF in the ring. But uh, he also, like when I got there, he ran the event center. He kept it all, um, you know, in order, uh, would have this big book because, of course, we didn't have laptops back then or anything like that. And these big legal, uh, you know, financial binders that he would carry around and, and they would have all of the, you know the superstars' uh, names in there, and the and the promos that they needed to do, and he would take this to TV, and he would have it and keep it all in order. And this guy had to do this promo and this number of promo, the storylines, and he would keep it all straight. And then, of course, when we were back in Stanford recording all the event centers, he would uh, keep a close eye and make sure that we got it all out there. And had a, a big influence on me early on to just learning the business and also announcing. Uh, <laughs> I tell the story initially when, when he just had me project like I was in the ring doing the event center. And finally, I uh, I just couldn't do it anymore. I told him, Howard, can let me try it my way here and we'll see how it goes. And uh, fortunately, that worked out. But uh, he's a ring announcer. So, uh, but I loved him. And Howard was always, you know, I, I got a chance to speak to him years later and ran into him a couple times. And he was always just so gracious. And I, you you've heard the comments on Twitter and all the other social platforms, uh, he will long be remembered, uh, not only for being the voice of the WWF uh, uh, ring, uh, you know, and, and new champion, you know, uh, just 
uh, one of a kind. If you knew him, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But uh, just sad news. I, I knew that he had been ill for a long time. But his loss, it's a big one in the world of professional wrestling. And I know the entire world of uh, professional wrestling is mourning over his loss. So rest in peace, my friend. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about Howard in, the, um, in our episode on Wednesday. Um, with that coming up, we've got uh, Guy Evans as our guest this week. So the author of Nitro. So check that out. Um, we'll talk about a few other things in there as well. But uh, this, this episode we're talking about... Uh, or network classics is it's a it's an interesting one. I want to <laughs> say it's a good one, but there's a reason why uh, we we should we should uh, make that clear. This is an episode from Monday Night Raw, March fifteenth, nineteen ninety three, and we're just about three weeks away from uh, WrestleMania nine, which uh, if you remember is the WrestleMania that took place in Las Vegas, and it was all you know um, themed with the togas and all that. Uh, I that was uh, I was gone at that point. I I, uh, I think I was just about leaving at this uh, at this point in time, just before WrestleMania nine. But here is an episode. It, it took place at the Mid Hudson Civic Center in Poughkeepsie, New York, and it was basically snowed out. They had a blizzard uh, at the time, and so a lot of the guys that were scheduled to do the show couldn't get there. And as always, the uh, WWF slash WWE, they have contingency plans. This happens not all the time, but it would happen where there would be some kind of an event, uh, weather-wise or something, where guys couldn't get to places and they don't have to improvise. And they actually had to do it here. Um, your announced team for this show is Gorilla Monsoon, Bobby Heenan, and Rob Bartlett once again, who does a, a Vince McMahon imitation uh, throughout this show. Because Vince is not there. And uh, this team that they threw together wasn't something because of the blizzard. Vince was not going to be there anyway because he was being honored by the Michael Landon Foundation. And uh, that was, you know, uh, an organization that uh, was all about supporting cancer research and um, leukemia and that sort of thing. And Vince had been honored because the company had been active in raising money for the Michael Landon Foundation. So he was being honored, and Hulk Hogan was going to be there to present him this award. So Vince is not at the uh, the Civic Center, the Hudson Mid-Hudson Civic Center in Poughkeepsie that night. So they had obviously scheduled to have Gorilla and Bobby be together, and Bartlett, of course, was uh, one of the regular hosts. Um, I think they make mention in the show that Randy Savage was also at the award ceremony. I don't know if that was the case. Uh, it might have been just something that they put in there because he couldn't get there for whatever reason. Who knows? But um, this is uh, this is the thrown together show. You can tell they have limited uh, number of talent that they've got that actually made it to uh, the Civic Center for this, and it features Razor Ramon, who's there that night uh, in a squash match. Also, uh, Typhoon is there, and uh, Bob Backlund. And this is the only real uh, superstar. Uh, match one-on-one anyway. Bob Backlund takes on Papa Shango and the Nasty Boys, uh, you know, end up making it there and they face the Head Shrinkers in a tag team match. So that's it. That's all they got for this one. And they've got to fill up an hour and uh, (laughs) they do the best they can with this one. But it just shows an example of this company which always had to be able to react to whatever situation because guys would get hurt and uh, wouldn't be able to make a show somewhere. Um, This wasn't a really unusual situation. It is when an entire event would be in jeopardy, but it's a company that knew, you know, had all the time. Guys would go out for whatever reason, and they had to be able to uh, fill the holes. And that's what they did this night. So that's what you have happening here with this edition of Monday Night Raw. Uh, As it goes, you know how we usually do this. I'm going to give you a little time if you haven't queued it up yet. But uh, what you want to do is uh, you go to the WWE Network, of course, and then go to In-Ring. You see all those those little places you can click uh, up on the top of the page there. Go to uh, In-Ring, and then there is Raw right there. And uh, then, you know, of course, you go and you find the 
uh, last scene or whatever it says there, and you go down to the years, and there's a lot of years of Raw. It could take us a while to get through all these as watch-alongs, but uh, we're doing it in order as uh, from the beginning. And so we're still in 1993, folks, and just go down, uh, you know, click on 1993, and then find March 15th, 1993, and that is the episode that we're going to watch. So we'll do a quick pause here, and if uh, you're not queued up, do so. If not, uh, just hold on. We'll be right back. All right, and we are back. I hope you're all queued up and ready to go because uh, we just can't wait to get to this episode of Monday Night Raw, March 15th, 1993. Ready? Three, two, one, play. And we come right out to a graphic live, Mid-Hudson Civic Center, Poughkeepsie, New York. So this is a live show. And we start right out from the floor with Gorilla Monsoon. Bobby Heenan is there, and we see a graphic there that says, Not Vince McMahon. And I think we all know that is not Vince. That is Rob Bartlett doing his best, Vince. And he says, uh, yeah, Gorilla says he even smells like Vince. Well, maybe that's uh, the cologne he's referring to. I don't quite remember Vince having the elbow behind the back very often, but uh, that's Rob's impression. And uh, that this looks out. Uh, now, this is Poughkeepsie, apparently, they're showing us, and they're showing the snow. And a few feet dropped there. That was not Gorilla Monsoon's Cadillac parked out front. That was uh, the one he drove was, was black and had the big lady on the front on the hood. But uh, he's uh, listening as he goes through the card here. And Rob just stands there doing his Vince. And as uh, you probably recognize who that is, if you ever watched primetime wrestling, the, they would often refer to the Rosati sisters. It was uh, quite the, they were Bobby Heenan's foils. Uh, and of course, Gorilla loved the Rosati sisters. He loved their devotion to the WWF. See, and he's talking, they're talking about where Vince is. And there he goes. He brings us into the show as we get into the graphic and the animation. Monday Night Raw. That's about as good as the impression gets, but you're going to hear it throughout the show. As uh, we roll into this, Monday Night Raw, and this is a live version, folks. So here we go. And, uh, well, Snow didn't stop these folks from showing up, and it seems like a pretty energetic group as they start on out and Razor Ramon made it as he's coming out here for a singles competition the man the bad guy And there is uh, the Fink in the ring. As he's going to take out Ross Greenberg. I don't know why that said Russ. I think it was Ross Greenberg. <laughs> Get your shot at being on Raw, and then they spell your name wrong. Thanks. But probably the only people that were really upset was his family. Yeah, he says, I'm glad they got the mic in there. It's just a little warning to this guy as he passes on the gold to be held. Uh, I think that that guy is going to definitely take care of that uh, jewelry. And Scott Hall goes to work. Ooh, boy, that was a good slap, but chop. Just tosses the guy across the ring. Man, Scott's in great shape here. And really uh, riding uh, a good push here. Just catches Greenberg and again tosses him over there. I don't know what he's doing 
Rob Strine. <laughs> the thing is that when, when Rob got into these, man, he had to, it wasn't like he could do one little bit. He had to keep it up throughout the whole show. There's a big stretch here by Ramon. And he's uh, locks him up here, looking for a submission. And see how long this is going to last. So he's just toying with Greenberg. Noogies, yes. That's a word Vince would always use, right? Greenberg. Grabs him by the throat and just slams him to the canvas. It's a pretty short matchup here. But as I said, uh, the original lineup... A lot of it couldn't make it to Raw. They would usually try and stack these things pretty much. They'd fill them up with superstars. Even if they didn't have great featured matchups, they liked to put the guys in the ring together. But they didn't really have the option here, and they had to uh, reach out for some enhancement talent. Drop Greenberg right back on his head. And he's had enough. Razor set to wrap this night up anyway. As he uh, prepares, as Bobby said, for the Razor's Edge. Brings Greenberg up. Gets him in that cross and drops him down. And there's the cover. So we got a chance to see Razor a little bit of work here tonight. As he uh, prepares to go collect his gold again and his toothpick. What if they gave him back the same toothpick or did he start a new one? He's a bad guy. So pretty much quick, uh, quick work here. As we get another shot of the snow. Monday Night Raw will return. That is not a Rosati sister. All right. There he is, Typhoon in singles competition. Fred Ottman. I was yet, uh, whenever I see Fred, and uh, I just remember him telling me about, you know, his hair, that he, one of the biggest pains in the ass for him was the fact that he had to dye it all the time. Not weight-wise, he had to dye his hair because uh, in his family, you know, everybody went uh, prematurely gray. And he said he was pretty damn gray at this point. And had to color his hair all the time. And that would include, uh, imagine, touching up that beard as well. That is uh, when he would say, Monday Night Raw. That was probably the closest we'd, we'd hear him doing hints. <laughs> but that was the thing on these shows is when Rob would go into one of his impressions, which if in short takes, you know, when he was an I miss or anything, it was, it was good. He would do like one bit, but if he would start something with one of these guys, they'd have him go through the night. It just was, it was too much. It was too much for anybody. I mean, so you've got Typhoon here taking on L.A. Gore. Uh, He went by. And uh, Gore, pretty big guy. I mean, uh, but uh, dwarfed by Typhoon here. 
So he just uh, tosses him around like he's a rag doll. And apparently, according to these notes, where we got these from blogofdoom.com, again, I want to give them credit. Uh, they do a great job. The notes here are saying that uh, Gore was a big jack dude and did some work in the Indies, mainly in the IWCCW. So they picked him up for this night. And it looks like Typhoon getting set here for a little snap suplex on that. I've mentioned before uh, that you know Fred could move in the ring, man, despite his girth. Uh, he he could get around in there, and he prided uh, himself in that. That ooh man, that was pretty tight on that. That almost took his head off, broke his neck. <laughs> and this one is not going to last much longer either. Which I'm surprised. I would have thought they had to go longer in these. They had to fill it up. Fill this hour up. Slams into Gore. Hard in the corner. Typhoon goes right after him. Squashes him against the turnbuckles. And a big splash. Bobby says that'll melt the snow good. <laughs> Natural disasters. As they're moving along here. Oh, raw meat. So anyway, uh, that was another one. We got a chance to see Typhoon in action. That was another big squash match. And they put Bobby Heenan in the ring. Got to fill some time, and they didn't have anybody to do the interview. Gene was not going to be there. As Alfred sneaks in here for a little uh, Ico Pro action. That's right. Take it from Brett the Hitman Hart. Ico Pro. I always love these. Mm-hmm. I used to love to see those uh, on a Saturday morning, Bobby Heenan. <laughs> and Bobby Heenan. He has to take over, and, and that's why Bob, they love Bobby. Bobby could do whatever you asked him to do at any time. So they got the giant Gonzalez, led by his uh, manager, Harvey Whippleman. A stark contrast between those two uh, physical presences. <laughs> Boy, that was a 90s cut. And one of the most ridiculous outfits that anybody ever had to wear. And there was a lot of fabric in there for this one. Yeah, and the giant comes in over the top rope, which, uh, as you've probably heard before, that Andrew, uh, Andre, rather should say, Andre did not like when the other big guys did that. Uh, he didn't like it when Big John Studd did it. I'm sure he was not pleased seeing the giant Gonzalez step over the top rope. So Harvey Whippleman, uh, you know, spent some time in uh, the WWF. Uh, they They passed him around a bit between some superstars. Didn't have the impact that some of the other managers had. Uh, Jimmy Hart, of course. Bobby the Brain Heenan, no question. But Whippleman had a decent run in the WWF. But Bobby Heenan, you know, stepping in, having to take over. Gene may have been down in Florida, hopefully. 
not in the snow somewhere. Because I tell you, if he would have been in Stanford doing something, they would have made it to Poughkeepsie. A lot of these guys that were able to make it to this event probably were in the tri-state area doing uh, house shows or something. So they were able to drive them in. So this is when they have this big push going between, that's an interesting shot, show that giant hand. But they had the Undertaker and the Giant going at it in a uh, matchup that was headed for WrestleMania 9. There you go. He's going to be in it. Oh, I got it. Yeah, the giant. Eight feet tall, man. That's a that's a bit of a stretch, but, uh, you know, I guess you just pad the numbers. Yeah, Bobby trying to stir it up here, trying to uh, maybe pit Whippleman against Paul Bearer. All right, this is the portion where he actually gets to speak. Oh, boy. And that's all he had to remember. <laughs> Maybe he was supposed to say giant burial, but, uh, you know, Bobby, being the pro he is, filled it in. Hello, is this thing on? Bobby. <laughs> the always entertaining Bobby Heenan. And the Hulkster. He was busy that night, remember? He's handing Vince a plaque or something. Here we go. That's right, he's back. Seems up, remember this is what was going on? Although it would be short-lived. Well, so here's uh, our WrestleMania promo. Bret Hart putting the WWF World Championship on the line, and we all know what happened with that one. Uh, Hulk Hogan would be involved in the finish of that encounter. But it's all history as we return once again back live at the Mid-Hudson Civic Center in Poughkeepsie, New York. You know, it sounded like the roads were, you know, pretty clear. I mean, how else did all those folks get there? Maybe public transportation coming in from uh, the other boroughs. As Papa Shango. And if you've watched the the run here we've had of uh, this period of time, Papa Shango was getting a pretty damn big push. The Godfather, as many knew him. But in this case, it's Papa Shango. There, just keep saying Monday Night Raw. There we go. And in comes Bob Backlund. A very strange period of Bob Ackland's career. We're talking 1993, folks. And uh, if you were a wrestling fan in the you know, 80s, uh, Bob Backlund was, was a big-time uh, superstar with the, uh, originally with the WWF. was a champion for a long time, I think second only to... Bruno San Martino. 
And uh, I don't know, by 84 or so, it just had kind of passed him by in a sense. And he had left the WWF for, I think, eight years before he had come back. And at this point, he's back with the WWF. Not really sure what he had expected. And he would end up appearing at WrestleMania. Making his first appearance at WrestleMania, but it would basically be a quick match. And uh, it just was never quite the same for him. And it was just as though, you know, he tried. Remember they had that gimmick where he he turns uh, heel, where he starts attacking people and he just can't believe that that was within him. You know, he'd look at his hands after and go, oh my God, what did I just do? Uh thinking you know they had a match with uh, Bret Hart where he did that where they really started it all but you know just the world had completely changed for him he kind of was the old school how the business worked and still had to earn a living but he just didn't just couldn't adjust to it I guess but the guy's 70 now, 70 years old now. And I'm, I i don't think he's too far out of shape as where he is right now. I mean, this guy, his entire life has uh, been devoted to physical fitness. And he was a tremendous amateur wrestler. Uh, was a champion in uh, you know, college wrestling, Division Two. As he uh, works on Papa Shango here. Really interesting guy, though. And I've seen it in a couple of shows where you hear all this commotion and they look over at these uh, signing shows and he, he's doing this, you know, three-point handstand and <laughs> 70 years old, splits his legs, comes back down, I mean, he, and back up. Just, just incredible. A lot of 30-year-olds can't do what he can do. So we got this matchup going on. And I, I wonder if this had been originally scheduled or did they throw it together? Just call Papa Shango Kamala. Jeez. Whatever, whatever comes up. And of course, Heenan loved, you know, the, he called Backlund Opie. I uh, kind of played on that whole thing. But he always used a lot of those uh, amateur wrestling moves in his matches, which was, uh, you know, very entertaining. But it wasn't what the crowd had become used to. As uh, Rob Bartlett continues to go on with his Vince imitation. Uncut. There you go. Headbutt to the groin area. So this is your superstar matchup because all we've seen at this point is a couple of squash matches with some enhancement talent. So we've got Papa Shango facing Bob Backlund here. And I was always I was kind of surprised at what happened with Papa Shango here because you know he was in all of the shows you'd see him on Superstars and Challenge and but they never really went anywhere with it and maybe just visually it was it was good TV they thought where he'd come out with the smoking skull but uh, you know and I've said before I liked it I don't know why probably was lame to most people but um, it just never really did much. Like I said, it was good. It was good visuals when they had on TV. They get that corner shot with the the skull. And as he uh, grinds away here on Backland, 
Oh, that headlock trying to choke him out. And he keeps going. Got his legs up on the rope using his leverage here. Not sure what that did. But uh, Mike Kyoto sees the rope shaking there, goes over and takes a look, gets back into it. Kyoto, one of the uh, people let go who had been with the company. God, dec- 30 years? It had to be. He was there when I was there coming up. And one of those who has uh, now been put on furlough. They're saying they're saving about $4 million a month in uh, salaries by doing this. But I, I can't imagine that was easy. You know, they're thinking that they had to sit around at a meeting and uh, decide uh, who, who we can let go and who stays. Man, that, that must not have been fun, especially when you got people that have been around there for so long and they know that, uh, you know, these guys have families and mortgages and lifestyles to support. And suddenly it's over. Backlund wraps him up, wraps up Shango for a surprising victory here. Rolls out quickly, but a legit win here for Bob Backlund. Uh, it's hard to hear Howard's voice here. You heard it in the background. So he announces Backlund winning this one. So he skedaddles. So now we're going to get a chance to see Mean Gene. As they continue to push tickets and also pay-per-view for WrestleMania 9 taking place at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas. WrestleMania 9 report. Nyko Pro, we're still pushing Nyko Pro. Professional bodybuilding program. I can't, I can't even imagine. I, I know there's people out there that know the numbers, but boy, millions lost with that company. As Gene brings us the lineup here, Sunday, April 4th, we're about three weeks out when this show was on, was broadcast. Gene, about three weeks away from donning a toga. There you go. That's right. They're going to wear togas. It is a giant toga party. I'm going to say, I wonder how people did that at home, too. Maybe they had the WrestleMania parties with toga parties. That was big then, right? Not. (laughs) But maybe they brought it back. Toga parties. So you got uh, Bret Hart going to face Yokozuna for the WWF Championship. And Mr. Fuji uh, with the shaved head. Oh, boy. Some more brutality. And you see who's uh, conducting the interview here. You got Ray Rougeau. Raymond Rougeau from the Rougeau brothers did uh, uh, became an announcer for a long time after this, doing Canadian, French Canadian. Uh, oh man! See, uh, Yoko didn't uh, you know pull up so much on that one. That was a brutal. Oof. Okay, you got. Uh, the Mega Maniacs, of course, Jimmy Hart, who had uh, become the manager for that team after a feeling for Brutus the Barber Beefcake and the attack by IRS with that Halliburton case that everybody used to carry around back then. He used one and on uh, Brutus's head. 
of course, playing off that uh, horrible parasailing accident and the surgeries that Brutus had. And the fear was that his face would collapse when he, by taking a beating. And so Ted DiBiase, of course, team with IRS, Money, Inc., facing the Megamaniacs. As they are the tag team champions at the time. There's that uh, Halliburton. I think I already looked at it, taken quite a beating. Probably Brutus's head attributed to some of those dents. Yep, everybody. Everywhere he goes. That's all they're talking about. Undertaker facing the giant Gonzalez. Got to give it to Gene, man. He knew how to sell him. So this uh, is a, a huge promo for WrestleMania 9, and they just pull out all the stops with special uh, promos they cut. Paul Bear and the Urn and, of course, The Undertaker. That was a really, I love that background. Isn't that cool? They got the smoke going. Yeah, Undertaker here at this point, man, in his prime and uh, just lighting up arenas wherever he went. And literally, when those flames would go and uh, that music, that bell would toll. All the folks in the arena knew it was coming and it was uh, going to be a great show no matter what. Rest in peace. Yeah. We'll get it all. Oh, this is when they had Luger still in this narcissist phase. You can do it on pay-per-view. Exactly. All right, Gene, getting it done once again. So they, when they did that promo, of course, Bob Barker. <laughs> Gene, I'll guarantee that was Gene. They nobody, nobody fed that line to him. But they would do that where they they play it in there. And when he recorded, I'm sure it was before this blizzard. It wasn't, uh, of course, those weren't live. Oh, you're wearing a toga. Everybody's wearing a toga. So, yeah, uh, they would do those promos in advance. So they knew that Vince wasn't going to be there. So this wasn't an announced team they tossed together. But it just worked out that way. And we've got one more match to come as the Nasty Boys face the Head Shrinkers as we get back. But not uh, not before we get to see a WWF mania. Look at how many pleats does Todd have with those pants? <laughs> that was, is that what they were wearing in the 90s? He was a radio guy, folks. Uh, so fashion wasn't on the top of the list. Although maybe at the time uh, that was that look was in. There you go. Thanks, Todd. All right. And the Rosati sisters, that's one right there. It's the Nasty Boys, and I guess that's appropriate for this match. As Knobs and Sags make their way to the ring. As they get ready to take on the Head Shrinkers. And Knobs... Look, yeah, he loves... Oh, what are you... What? Oh, big smooch. All right, see? They love those card girls, especially the Rosatis. And we got Danny Davis in as a referee. All right, uh, they're missing their manager, Afa, who may be... Uh, 
was delayed somewhere by the the weather. Well, you got Samu, Fatu. Very, very, very tough humans. Was the head shrinkers ready to tangle with the nasty boys? Two tough customers as well. And uh, an interesting outfit there. It's a uh, strange-looking suspenders. Determined to give him a pit stop, apparently. And you see, Brian's got a little, uh, little damage over that uh, left eye. They like to uh, they like to wrestle a little stiff, and uh, sometimes it came back at them. Or that could have happened somewhere out when the <laughs> some bar or something. Who knows? They often uh, tangled with uh, other people because they never stopped saying what they really thought, no matter what the situation. Yeah, they just that's how that's how badass these guys. They had bet each other. There we go. There you go. Right into the corner. Oh, boy. Shot right there to the the chops. Knobs comes off, though, with his own clothesline. Little double team action. As they uh, launch the head shrinkers, now both in the ring. And, whoa, boy, they missed the double clothesline, but Sags comes off, pulls off one of his own. Danny, yeah, trying to get the ring cleared, but Knobs takes advantage. Forearm to the side of the head. There's a tag made. Nasties, technically sound, right? Work like clocks, right? <laughs> And we got the crowd behind him. Nasty, they're chanting. Oh, man. And uh, Bartlett there, that was uh, more Vince, um, where he never really makes a clear word. But I don't. I thought you could always hear Vince. It was just very intense, very loud, very grumbly. Oh, Bobby's saying that Afa is in the building. But uh, we're not going to ever find that out, apparently. And, of course, Rob goes on. It's, whoa, boy, shot to the back of the head and a kick. Down goes Sags as we take a brief timeout. We're back. And of course, you know those little dips to black were the full commercial breaks, which have been removed. Thank you. As they uh, continue here, it's uh, the head triggers to turn the tide here. Danny trying to keep things under control here as he keeps trying to keep the ring clear and keep just the two men who are legal. Sags continues to take a pounding. There you go. 
Now outside of the ring. Samu just uh, body slams Sags outside onto the blue mat. So you got Fatu in there as uh, Sags is dumped back in. And there's a legal tag. So in comes Samu and they do a little double headbutt there. But that Nagana Sags is pretty thick. So I don't think that did too much damage. But the rest of it's taken care of it. <laughs> here we go oh misses with the headbutt off that top turnbuckle and in comes Fatu and Brian Sags or Brian Knobs come on Mooney Body slam, clothesline there. Another one. As he starts to clean house here with these two. Big headbutts. But they <laughs> gets it uh, returned with a double shot there. And Brian, uh, come on, Brian Knobs goes right after him. I was going to say, is that those are the, I thought they were the Ico products, but that is the um, craft services, apparently. (laughs) Oh, man, now the chairs come out. As this, uh, Erupts into a food fight outside of the ring, and we got mustard and oh boy, big pans across the head. Oh man, big right drops sags. Chairs still flying. This has just gotten out of control. Sprays in the face of the mustard, and then takes the. What's left of it in the side of the head of Samu is we just, this just keeps going, man. Wow. Oh, wow. Whose voice is that? I guess I was still around then, huh? There's Freddie. And Freddie Blassie did do a lot of charity work, but so did a lot of the other superstars. This is the behind-the-scenes stuff you talk about. You know, Sergeant Slaughter always doing a lot of work. Nasty Boys and these uh, Make-A-Wish. Yeah. And, th- you know, this is, this, is, this is for real here. These guys did a lot, and that was very important to the WWF. Said between Make a Wish and Special Olympics, they were doing something all the time. And Hulk Hogan really, really was uh, among the best at doing that. Billy Jim, Randy Savage. So this is just part of this, the Tonka. But I will say that about the World Wrestling Federation, even back then, and whether or not you can say it was great for their, you know, all about the image or whatever, but whatever the reason, it, it accomplished a lot of great works. Yeah. See, this guy's talking about, you know, stop smoking campaigns, Randy Savage. Randy was great at these. Oh. That was heartfelt from him. Tom Seaver with Bobby Heenan. Wow. But they were uh, involved in all all kinds of charities back then. Uh, and, and to this day, that's continued on. But I, I do, man, I'll tell you, I have to give uh, the WWF uh, credit for that. And I imagine... Maybe that was something that they ran at that uh, event that was taking place. But really, got to give them credit. 
Say what you want about the WWE. Over the years, they have given uh, millions and millions of dollars to charities around the world and done a lot of good. And there you go. As we wrap it up with Rob Bartlett and his imitation of Vince McMahon. There you go. Hey, anytime you got to see Bobby Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon in action. Not bad. Look at this tear shot. Boom. Boy, uh, yeah. Those guys were amazing. So, there you have it. An episode of Monday Night Raw. As uh, it was live on March 15th, 1993. And what do you think? Do you like the episode? I mean, as I said, it was... uh, They did what they could in this one. And uh, that match was was entertaining. The Nasty Boys and, of course, the Head Shrinkers, Fatu and Samu. Afa wasn't there, but uh, they they, uh, held their own in that and got a little entertainment at the end of that when they went over to the the, uh, table where uh, a number of snacks because they just wheeled that out from out back and uh, improvised. Mustard got into it. Got some chair shots in there, and there was uh, four people there that uh, Noggins had taken quite a few headshots at that point. But uh, it was it was good. I enjoyed it, and especially because of the situation. Remember, I told you going into this, it was it was a blizzard. They we don't know exactly what the lineup was, but uh, considering they really didn't have a, a big roster here that night, they had uh, think about it. They had Razor Ramon, Typhoon. Bob Backlund with Papa Shango, the Nasty Boys, and the Head Shrinkers. So uh, total there, you've got eight superstars for that entire entire hour. Uh, you've got Bobby Heenan, of course, who uh, was always entertaining no matter what he was doing. And you got to see Gorilla with him. And uh, Harvey Whippleman and also the Giant Gonzalez show up. So overall, considering what they had to deal with there, that wasn't a bad, a bad episode. As we uh, prepare to roll into WrestleMania 9. And uh, uh, they, I, I don't know what I was still doing there, but uh, they had me do that uh, charity spot. But it was close to my departure because I was not there three weeks later for uh, WrestleMania 9. I was gone. I didn't uh, never got to, the chance to wear the toga. So... Um, a lot happening back then, and we know that, uh, the, of course, WrestleMania 9 would uh, be a bit controversial. That was uh, a match that never really sat well with Bret the Hitman Hart. If you've listened to the episode uh, from the show we did at StarCast, uh, he talks a little bit about that. Um, so, you know, because, you know, he would face Yoko Zuna, who would take the title, and then end up, uh, Hulk does basically a run-in and gets the title from Yokozuna. And that wouldn't last too much longer. Hulk wouldn't be around for too many months later after that. But, uh, you know, that's that's how things played out at that point. It was a, a, a difficult time for the WWF, uh, not only because what was happening financially, business was not tremendous. Uh, you had the impending steroid trial coming up, and uh, WCW was starting to starting to put it together, uh, collecting talent. A lot of people were heading south. Uh, it was it was a really odd, strange time in the world of professional wrestling, not just with WWF. It was that way everywhere. So uh, not bad stuff. Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed listening to this. Remember, always love to hear from you. You can email me at primetimemooney at gmail.com, primetimemooney at gmail.com. Uh, as I mentioned at the top of all this, we've, uh, been putting out a lot of content. I know, uh, that you may have some hours these days to kill. If you're home working, you need a break, uh, tune in, listen to, to, uh, one of the current episodes we've got going, you know, every Monday we've got the network classics like this one. And also Wednesday, original episodes this week, we've got Guy Evans as he talks about his book Nitro and uh, a period in professional wrestling that uh, changed the world forever. I mean, really, it did. And uh, which is very cool about this is that we are going to follow this all up as I uh, just did an episode with Eric Bischoff. So we are going to hear it uh, directly from at least some peripheral stuff. Uh, 
But uh, you're going to learn a lot of things about Eric Bischoff. Maybe you didn't know. And that's uh, an episode that we'll follow up after this one this week. And we're going to have Guy Evans on uh, this episode this week. And then the following week, uh, you'll get to hear um, from Eric Bischoff, who I've wanted to get on the podcast for a long time. We finally were able to make it happen. And it is a good one. We talked for a long time, uh, over an hour and a half. So you should uh, enjoy that episode as well. But first, be sure and check out the episode with the uh, um, Guy Evans this this uh, Wednesday. And then, of course, the Vault episode on Saturday. They all drop at uh, 6 a.m. Eastern time on your favorite podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, uh, uh, Spotify, what, whatever, whatever it is. Just be sure to, to check it out. And uh, if, you, if you do uh, listen in through Apple Podcasts, be sure and subscribe. That's very important. And then give us a five-star rating and a review. Love to hear it. So... Um, other than that, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. That's easy, at Primetime Mooney. In the meantime, we will continue to bring you these network classics. Until next time, though, I'm Sean Mooney, and I am out. <laughs>